Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. We do dad jokes around here on Father's Day, so I got two for you before we get going here. Two for you, two for you, a short one and a long one. The short one is this. What did the zero say to the eight? Nice belt. Yeah, it's not, they don't get any better. Okay. All right. So here we're going for the home run now. So, uh, you know, God, and I have to need to preface this. God gave us the gift of laughter and humor because it, when we laugh, we turn loose of some things sort of in, a, in, our, in, our, in our brain that make us feel really good. So laughter is really important. Thus this joke. We'll see if laughter happens. I don't know. Jesus, Moses, and an old bearded guy were playing golf. Moses hits his shot, and it lands in the water. But Moses walks up to the water hazard, parts the, parts the water, lays up to the green. Jesus hits his shot, and sure enough, it's a little farther, but it, it's in the water too, but you know what happened. Yeah, he just walked out on the pond and laid up to the green. The old bearded guy, he's kind of frail looking, hits his shot, and it's a monster. But it hits the clubhouse, it bounces off a tree, and it goes flying in the air, and it lands on a lily pad in another water hazard, and a frog comes up to the lily pad and puts the ball in his mouth, and then an eagle flies by and picks up the frog and carries the frog away right over the green, drops the frog on the green, the frog spits the mouth out, or spits the ball out of his mouth, and the ball goes in the hole for a hole in one. And Moses looks over to Jesus and says, boy, I really hate playing golf with your dad. I'm here all week. Thank you for that. The Laughter is also charity, I suppose. Thank you. Thank you very much. So here's the setup to the, uh, to, the, uh, to, the script, to the sermon today. You know, some things are just inevitable. We have two texts today. There's an order to the universe, to everything turn, turn, turn. Th- some things are inevitable. Traffic on 380, inevitable. United Methodist pastors moving. Inevitable. Corny jokes on Father's Day. Inevitable. Texas heat. Inevitable. The other line moves faster. You have to think about that one. The other line moves faster. Inevitable. And you know, when we think about the inevitability of life, the patterns of life, everything that happens in life, and, and it, you know, it has this perceptible, familiar pattern, it gives rise to this kind of dialogue. You know, have you ever, have you ever done this? Maybe I, I can remember doing this. I probably did it last week. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, how's it going? And you go, well, same old, same old. How about you? Same, meh. Today's scriptures deal with the inevitability of life, the patterns of life, and the idea of change. Because everything that's inevitable 
of everything that's inevitable, some things only seem inevitable. Now, these are a couple of negative examples, but we've, we thought the stars would win the Stanley Cup. Huh. And I may get in trouble for this one, but it's my last sermon. We Texans thought there would be property tax relief. What's up with that? Okay. Hear now what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hello, my name is Andy Prince, and I'll be reading Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. From the book of Isaiah, Chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing, and now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Thank you, Andy, for, uh, thank you, Andy, for reading, reading those two scriptures. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds to the movement of the Spirit among us this day. Amen. There's a time to every purpose under heaven. Pete Seeger and the birds. I mean, the baby boomers are feeling the love today, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that great? I think that was better than the birds. I, 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 I mean, that was splendid, splendid, just something. Two passages from the Hebrew Bible. So uh, let's, uh, let's take a minute and we'll unpack those, okay? And then we'll, uh, and then we'll get started. Um, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is, is from the Latin of the Vulgate, okay? The Septuagint, actually. Which mean, and the word means the teacher. So the, bir- the, the, the book is a book of wisdom, a book of sayings by the teacher. Some, some, say, some translate it to be the preacher. It was written... 4th or 5th centuries BCE. And the teacher in this chapter 3 is expounding on the many aspects of life that just happen. There's a natural order to life. We're born and then we die. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry. We plant and we pull up. We love and we hate. This is not, as Pastor Jeff might say, this is not a prescriptive passage of Scripture. It is a descriptive passage passage of Scripture. It just defines what is. It is the framework within which we live and breathe. Some things are just, well, inevitable. Life has inevitabilities. 
The Isaiah passage comes from 2nd Isaiah. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but maybe if you've read that, 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 that part in the front of the, of the book where it explains about the book, Isaiah has three pieces, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Isaiah. And if you read the book, you will notice that the language and the tone in those three sections are different. So this is from 2nd Isaiah, chapter, chapters 40 through 55 is 2nd Isaiah. This comes from, uh, from chapter 43. This was written about the 5th, 6th century BCE. And what's going on there, you biblical scholars? Well, Judah, uh, Judah has fallen. The people are, have been taken away to Babylon. They are in exile. Things are not good. This is a bad situation. The temple has been ransacked. It's been torn down. Stuff's not, this is not a good, good situation for the people of Israel. Yet hear what Isaiah has to say. Forget about what's happened. This is from the message, a paraphrase of the Isaiah passage. Don't, don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Yeah. Exile's not inevitable. The way things have been for the past, I don't know, 50, 75 years, a generation or two, that's not inevitable. Things are going to be different. This exile, by the way, which you all brought upon yourselves, Isaiah would take him to the woodshed on that, it's going to end. One way to think about these prophetic words is that Isaiah is presenting a new inevitability, some God's new thing. This refreshed, renewed world that Isaiah is talking about is the new thing. Change is coming. Two passages, inevitability and change. Friends, I'd like to suggest to you that the church, and I don't mean the big church, we can talk, we'll talk about the big church for a few minutes later, but this church, Stonebridge, we are dwelling in the in-between, between inevitability and change. And what will our response be? Will it be Ah, same old, same old. As I mentioned, I think I mentioned, I don't know, I get, get mixed up since I've already done this one time. Forget who I talked to. This is my last sermon here. So July 1st, um, I'm going to be in another place, uh, a place yet to be determined. Uh, so change is coming for me as well. And as we've mentioned, change is happening here. New pastor, New lead pastor, some staff changes. And all you baby boomers probably thinking of that, of that Dylan song, right? The Times, what are they doing? They are a-changing? Yeah, he could write lyrics, man. Boy couldn't sing much, though. I, just, I can't stand that voice. But anyway, that's another story. So let's talk about Stonebridge here in this season of change. Pastor Jeff talked last week about the next right answer, right? Remember that? How to meet the challenge of change. The right answer might not seem right in the moment, but it's important to keep moving and stay involved. Remember, it's important to keep moving and stay involved. What's it important to do? Keep moving, stay involved. Yes, you got it. Man, you guys are on the ball today. Change is inevitable. The bishop had something to say about change at annual conference. Your pastors were just in annual conference uh, early part of last week. 
And the bishop, of course, is addressing this, uh, this group, probably, I don't know, a thousand of us there, because um, the United Methodist Church has been through a lot of change of late. The united part of United Methodist Church has kind of been tested a little bit. We've had disaffiliations, maybe you've heard. And we've had some small churches that have closed. There's discussion of combining conferences. So I think the bishop wanted to sort of put things in perspective for us. So he told us this story. He talked about this. Use this image. He talked about being on an airplane flight where it was really bumpy. You ever been on an airplane flight with a lot of turbulence? I mean a lot of turbulence. And doesn't the turbulence always come right after the pilot comes on and says, we're in for a smooth flight this evening. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to turn off the seatbelt sign. And then all of a sudden, turbulence. Like clockwork. It's inevitable. Anyway, he was on this bumpy flight. And the announcement came on. Please return to your seats. The seatbelt sign is on. Be sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, low and tight, around your waist. And the bumpiness continued. That flight just bucked and bucked. And they eventually, mercifully, got on the ground. They landed. It was probably one of those flights where people applauded. You ever been on one where they applaud at the end? Yeah, I've been on one. More than one where they applaud at the end. And it was time to get all the bags out. And he said uh, uh, the following message was given. Be careful opening the overhead compartment to get your luggage because things may have shifted around during flight. Now, I don't know about you. All the flights I've been on lately, the top of that thing's been jammed so much, nothing could shift. I mean, he was just like pushing stuff in there. He was on a flight where there was a little room in there. And uh, sure enough, he got up to get his bag, and his bag was like all the way down, you know, had jostled around. So he finally collected his bag, And uh, at this point, we're all kind of wondering where he's going with this. It's like, okay, this is great, Bishop. I mean, he's the Bishop, right? So you're like, ooh. Um, And at that point in the story, he looked at us, he surveyed the crowd, and he said, that just goes to show you, shift happens. (laughs) And we're all really quiet. And we're like, did he really say shift happens? Yeah. Shift happens. Friends, it seems like Stonebridge has been going through its share of change here here as well. Shift's been happening around here too. We've had our ups and we've had our downs through the years. So I thought it would be useful just to take a look at one one graph, one one picture. I'm not going to dwell on the numbers. I don't want to get down in the weeds but in this season, I thought we'd take a look at one chart. Let's see if we get that to come up. Now, it's not important to see the numbers, okay? But I want you to know what you're looking at. The red shows the membership here at this church. You know, we submit these numbers every year to the conference office, and they compile them, and then they make them available on a website. We can probably get you, the, I mean, this website's not a secret. We can give you uh, the website. It allows you, you could look up any United Methodist Church in the, in, in the conference. And then the bar, the bar graph shows worship attendance. The period is 2004 through 2021. They haven't loaded the last year's numbers yet, but you can see there's a peak about 2012. And then the trend is 
let's say, let's be kind. It's consistent. Now, we could talk about, well, pastor, let's put this in context. All, den- all major mainline denominations have been on decline. That is true. And particularly the United Methodist Church has been in decline because we have had this decades-long debilitating conversation about lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people and how our denomination will treat them. That's been a long debilitating... And I'm not, we're not talking about which side of that thing you are. Honest, and, you know, honest people can disagree about that, but the, but the conversation itself has been debilitating. We could also talk about, and not to pick on anybody, but not to pick, uh, pick on any one thing in particular, but we could also talk about youth sports, club sports. When do they love to play? Sunday, often. And how, well, geez, I mean, you, if I'm going to, you know, I want my, I want my child to ex- have this rich sports experience, but so I, I guess we can't be at church, Pastor. I know this firsthand. My daughter played club volleyball. You talk about a, a consuming thing. And I, we missed a bunch of church. We could talk about the reasons for that decade-long decline. But the, the question is really not about the reasons. The question is, the question of the day, is further decline inevitable here? Are the next year's going to continue the trend? Will 23 and 24 and 25 just be same old, same old? So what do we do? What's our response? Okay. There's a lot of wisdom in our text today, but I want to focus on verse 5 of the Ecclesiastes passage. You know, that verse 5 is very interesting. The commentators really don't know what the teacher meant by there's a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. Hmm. Cryptic. Well, what I'd suggest to you is we need to think about what's weighing us down. The stones we have to cast off. And maybe the stones of the positive stones that we need to pick up. So I've got three suggestions for each of these. What are the stones to throw away? Well, first of all, throw away the stone of nostalgia. Frankly, friends, the good old days probably weren't all that good. Remember the, the children of Israel on the, on the road, in the wilderness? They hit a rough patch, and they're like, Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. Stop dwelling on the past, says Isaiah. You know, I think, this is not in there, but in the, in the passage, but I think some of them probably went back. Pine for the good old days, dwell in the past, and you miss out on crossing the Jordan. Second, throw away the stone of fear. Fear. Now, some folks, and I think it's legit to would say that hate is the opposite of love, but I would also argue that Fear is also the opposite of love. 
Sometimes I think risk management has become the point of ministry. Staying out of trouble, not making anybody mad. Don't risk anything. Now, I'm not talking about being foolish. Not at all. Remember Gideon? I love the story of Gideon. Old Testament story in Judges. Gideon had, was a general. He had 30,000 troops. God said, you got too many. Narrow it down to 10. So, did that. Still got too many. Narrowed it down to 300. And Gideon goes into battle, forsaking all risk, with what? A clay jar, something to break the jar with, and a torch. Talk about not worrying about risk. When the disciples were gathered in that room at Pentecost and they experienced the tongues of fire and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, they did not look in the corner to Claude, a very obscure disciple, and say, Claude, you're appointed risk manager. No, they did not do that. Throw away the stone of fear. And then finally, throw away the stone of inadequacy. The idea that we're not good enough, that there are not enough people, that there's not enough resources. You know, friends, on our own, none of us is good enough. That's the point of grace. That's the point of the Spirit dwelling in. That's what Wesley had in mind when he said, participate in acts of mercy and acts of piety, and the Spirit will be indwelling in you and make you able to do things you've never dreamed of doing. God has a habit of of doing amazing things with ordinary people. Paul wasn't ordinary. Paul was a murderer. Yet, became the most compelling witness to Christianity that the world has ever seen. Moses was just a tongue-tied fugitive when he encountered the the burning bush. Find somebody else. I can't talk in public. Jonah, remember Jonah, the reluctant prophet? Tried to go the other way, sail the other way. He gave a one-sentence sermon that really wasn't very good. And then Nineveh, the entire city of a million people, turned to God. Even Even the cattle, okay? Not enough people, 12 disciples launched the Christian faith. Not enough resources, what did God do? What did Jesus do with five loaves and two fish? I know sometimes we look at our bank account and it looks like we have the equivalent of a I don't know what, a Vienna sausage and half a bagel in there. But, you know, God can do much with a a little. All right, what stones to pick up? Looking up. That's a stone to pick up. Looking up. Back to Gideon. Remember the way that he sorted out his troops when he was getting it down to the 300 that he needed? They'd They'd been on a forced march, and God said, Send them to the river to get a drink. And you remember this? I'm, I'm reaching way back to vacation Bible school, okay? Hopefully you got this. There were some of those soldiers that laid down face down in the water. But there were some that just kneeled, kept their weapons at hand, and just scooped water. And they kept looking up. Look up beyond the immediate circumstance. 
What did Isaiah say? Forget about what's happened. Be alert and be present. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, he didn't ask the disciples what they wished they had or what they used to have. He said, what do you have now? What do you have? Number, number two, pick up the stone of sharing the good. Sharing the good. This is the personal evangelism part. This is the part where, where you get uncomfortable. It's my job. Comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable. That's what we do. Those attendance and membership numbers, they're going to keep going down until the good news of the love and the grace and the hospitality and the care that is this church that you all embody becomes as important to tell others about as the last great restaurant you went to, the last really excellent movie you saw, or the new song that you can't get off your mind. Because sharing is not just about Facebook and Instagram. Last one, accepting help. Accepting help. I thought about this one, how to say this, and I hope I got this right. Friends, we are better together with each other. Going it alone, bearing the burden individually is just a one-way ticket to burning yourself out. Jesus recruited disciples for a reason share the load. Resolving to accept help, even ask for it, is to acknowledge that this work is not about us and our achievement. It's about the results of God's kingdom. And friends, we know what it's like to do this. We know what it's like to pick up, to lay down those stones, pick up those other stones, and look inevitability in the face because in 2014, a group of committed Stonebridge people decided that hungry Malvern children in the summertime was not going to be inevitable. And they started giving out food, and then in 2018, they started a summer food pantry. After the pandemic, when we you know, began worshiping together really tentatively, another group of committed Stonebridge people turned the rather tedious and burdensome process of signing in. Remember that? No one, no one loves, loved that. But they turned that process into a thriving ministry of hospitality. And now, there's coffee, there's tea, there's snacks, there's love. One more. And just this spring, we experienced a renaissance of lay leadership in the children's ministry. A dedicated team decided that just because we didn't have a paid staff member running the show, that that didn't mean that the demise of children's ministry was inevitable, that it was going to die. That was not inevitable because Bridge Kids continues. Kids Church is thriving. Mission Kids is happening and Vacation Bible Camp's going to happen in July, and they need your help. That's a free commercial. You need to sign up, be there to help make Vacation Bible Camp happen. And they will know the story of Gideon too, maybe. I don't know. I hope so. You know, how we meet, what looks to be inevitable, is less about how many clergy are appointed here or how many staff are on the payroll, and it's more about throwing away the stones of nostalgia, fear, and inadequacy and picking up the stones of looking up 
sharing the good and accepting help. That is the stuff of lasting change. We, uh, we just recently got back from a 40th anniversary trip to the UK. It was, it was great. Thank, I, thank you so much for allowing me the time and the space to go do that. Uh, we saw incredible things. We, uh, we, saw, we saw just about everything we wanted to see. I, and, I, and I wanted you to see a picture of this. Let's, let's put that up. This, uh, the picture, picture on the left side there, that's uh, Halstead's Fort in northern England. And you can see, sort of going off on the left side of that picture, what is in a close-up of the right. And that's Hadrian's Wall. Hadrian's Wall. Anybody seen that? Anybody ever, ever seen Hadrian's Wall? Yeah. Hadrian's Wall extends for 73 miles completely across England. The Roman Emperor Hadrian built that wall to keep the northern tribes at bay. It's, I mean, it's just astonishing to go, and, and it's like that, that wall has been there for 19 centuries. 19 centuries. And if you want me to really overdo the image, they had to pick up a bunch of stones and put them down in a purposeful way to make that happen. And what I want you to take away is that the right stones picked up and deployed strategically create enduring change, something that will last almost forever. So there's stones to throw away and there's stones to pick up. Who's prepared to get it started? Ecclesiastes tells us there are contrasts, inevitable or constants, I'm sorry, inevitable aspects of this life. Thank you, teacher. The prophet tells us that within that framework, change is inevitable. Thank you, Isaiah. In other words, shift happens. Thank you, Bishop. We don't have to settle for the way things are. The question for us this day is, who among us will challenge the same old, same old? We are dwelling in what is called a liminal space. This is the space between nostalgia and optimism, the space between inevitability and change, between mourning the passing of the good old days and grabbing the potential of the new thing that God is set to do. Who among us will challenge the same old, same old? The good news is that the people needed to get this started are all right here. The resources needed to get things going are all right here. The spirit that empowers, that multiplies the loaves and the fish, that partners with us to be and to do, that meets risk head-on, that diminishes our inadequacies, that turns the paralysis of nostalgia and gauzy memories into the vitality of optimism and hope is right here. It's always here. And it always will be. Friends, who among us will challenge the same old, same old? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Tis grace that has brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home.
Let it be so. Will you pray with me? Lord, you are the author of new things and the creator of our ordered world. As we look to you in our time of change, let us clearly see the stones we need to put down and the stones that we can, with your help, pick up. Lord, we are ready for the new thing you are about to do here. Our inevitable is in your hands. We make this prayer in the strong name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.